0: Welcome to Standing Up. And we're live, Ayla, welcome. Thank you. First, first, before we get started, I just want to thank you for the super important work you're doing. Um, you're putting yourself in harm's way to help other people and you really deserve all the credit and respect for that. So, truly, thank you for me and I know I'm speaking for many others with that as well. So. You are working at an ICU in Pittsburgh. Can you tell us a little bit about what what that's like? Uh, From what I understand, you're working 12-hour shifts every day?
1: So depending on um, the type of service that you're running, in the ICU, we typically run 12-hour shifts. Um, Whether they're nights or days, we sort of rotate through them. Uh, So you're either on a night shift schedule for a week or a day shift schedule.
0: Okay. And, and, and what's it like being in the ICU now? What, what's the situation?
1: So it's a little bit um, different than typical. Majority of our patients right now are COVID patients who are critically ill. Um, not that we are not taking care of the other patients. They are still being accepted to the same medical ICU. Um, but we've never seen um, such high numbers of such sick patients before. And I think that's sort of changing the game a bit. Um, so I'd say almost all of our patients are COVID and critically ill right now. So,
0: so you, you use the term sub subset. What, what, what is that exactly?
1: So uh, other patients who would typically be in a medical ICU, um, like septic shock due to some kind of bacteria or a GI bleed or different kind of Illnesses that would require critical care are, you know, they're still out there and they're still occurring um, despite us having a pandemic. So our ICU is still taking care of both. It's not an isolated COVID unit um, yet, but the majority of the patients are COVID positive.
0: Okay, I understand. And, you know, we're still hearing people compare this to the flu. And, you know, obviously if you look at the data, you just see the numbers are vastly different. So from your experience, is it normal to have people in the icu from the flu even during flu season
1: yeah so we do see people in the icu from flu uh typically the older people typically people with underlying lung disease Um, however this disease is very different from the flu and it's quite unfortunate that people are associating them the only thing that they have in common is probably that they're both a respiratory virus a virus that lies in the upper respiratory tract um The the two main differences that I think um, are important to understand are, one, um, the actual amount of time that it incubates within the body. So the fact that flu typically incubates for about two days and it shows symptoms within a few days um, allows you to detect someone who has flu like symptoms really fast. However, coronavirus or COVID-19 typically incubates for much longer and therefore sometimes only shows symptoms at 10 to 14 days. And therefore that person is carrying it around and spreading it for a much longer period of time. So that's one big difference. Um, The other big difference is that we don't really know how this virus is acting and everything that we're doing right now in the ICU and on the pulmonology floors um, is showing us that this is acting very differently and in a way that we haven't seen before and therefore we're constantly um acclimating and trying to change what we're doing to try and treat it without much evidence and without much known treatments unlike the flu
0: so it's more contagious because people are asymptomatic for a longer amount of time and just the treatment is is less clear in addition to that is the is the length of hospitalization similar to the flu or do 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 they differ
1: it's it's hard to say um because i don't think we're at the end of this yet and we don't have numbers so uh, we don't know exactly what the length the average length of stay is for COVID 19. um i will say that there are a lot of people that have the flu who can also stay home um whereas here it seems like 40 to 60 percent of people are asymptomatic but the ones who are symptomatic are quite ill and requiring prolonged hospitalizations
0: so it seems to have a much higher severity rate than the flu and i guess that's what that's what the concern is that if it has such a high severity rate then you will need lots of you know the hospitals will be filled and then we won't be able to care for everyone is that would you say that's the that's the danger here
1: correct correct and like when we talk about pandemics we typically talk about you know ebola for example and A big difference here for, you know, when it comes to mortality and morbidity is that Ebola is a self-limiting disease, whereas whoever gets it dies. Whereas here, you have so much of the society that is carrying it and infecting people. And therefore, not only is the severity worse, but the mortality is worse because it's reaching so many more people.
0: Okay. And do, do you happen to know what the... What the severity rate of the flu is? I know for COVID we can't know yet. We just don't have that data. But are are you familiar with the flu numbers?
1: I don't know.
0: Okay, I, I guess we could probably calculate it because something like, you know, tens of millions get tens of millions of people get it every year in the United States. So, you know, just the f- fact that hospitals aren't overwhelmed every year means that the severity rate probably you know, is a fair amount lower than COVID-19, but I guess we're still, we're still collecting the data and we'll, we'll be much, you know, much better informed in a few months time. Yeah, I think so
1: too. What, what are, what
0: are, what are you guys doing to keep yourself safe when you're working with uh, sick patients and are doctors and nurses getting sick? So we're,
1: we're lucky enough to not have the surge like some other states have had like new jersey and new york um, who have been quite impacted by this and therefore we have the supplies that we need um, for now we are reusing what we can uh, we ha- we started off with just wearing the normal n95s um, we now have what's called a papper which is basically what is looks like a partial hazmat suit with a battery pack clean air Um, yesterday we started um, yesterday we started going towards n100s which is sort of um reminiscent of like um like a gas mask is sort of what it looks like it's a mask with two side filters um so i think we do have the protection that we really need we're also being very cautious um on the nursing front the critical care nurses that are taking care of these patients are only going into the rooms once every four hours. So, to try and limit exposure, so I think in that sense, um, we have the PPE. People are inevitably going to get sick. Um, physicians are constantly being exposed to this. Um, the physicians that are working in the hospital are taking care of majority of COVID patients at this point. Um, it's just a matter of who gets symptoms and who doesn't and um, trying to limit that exposure as much as possible. Um, thank goodness in my facility, I don't know anyone who's gotten severely ill, um, but there are people who are showing symptoms and there are people who are positive and um, on quarantine right now and not being able to take care of patients.
0: It, yeah, I mean, that, that's why the work you guys are doing is just you know absolutely amazing because you're going into it knowing there's a very high chance to you you contract something that's potentially life-threatening. So, mm-hmm. wow. W- would you say that you guys are near full capacity?
1: So we're not. And I think this you're going to hear this from a lot of different physicians in different parts of the country. The overall capacity of the hospitals are actually down because a lot of people are not coming in. Um, so for us, the capacity is actually quite low, and it's quite eerie when you walk around the hospital because patient load is low, as well as all the consulting providers, um, most consulting providers are working for, most of the patients that are there are COVID. Um, so, you know, acute, like we talked about, severity, acuity is high, but the total number of patients right now, at least in our facility, is low.
0: And, and the reason for that is just because people don't want to go to the hospital right now?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, they- I think so. I think that's part of it, also, all elective surgeries have been canceled. So you know things like a hip replacement that would have been done here at this time and a patient would have stayed in the hospital for two or three days after, they're not happening. So all those patients with elective procedures are home right now getting rescheduled for once this is over.
0: Okay. Interesting you know it creates an interesting situation because it's like there's a lot of people who have been downplaying the severity of covid19 and it's like we we did a whole lot to uh protect ourselves uh social distancing um you know postponing elective procedures um and all this caused us to be in a situation where really relatively speaking we're not losing that many people And relatively speaking, Mm -hmm. the hospitals aren't flooded like we're predicted. And it's ironic because the people who have been downplaying it now kind of use this as like uh, as proof that what they've been saying the whole time is true. They're like, oh, you see, Mm -hmm. it's it's a hoax.
1: but, right. and, and the fear and the fear is that once people start to get comfortable and feel like we've controlled this they're gonna go back out and that's what people are worried about with a resurgence of this virus and i think getting too comfortable is sort of dangerous in this situation we're not over the hump yet
0: right it, it, it's it, it seems like we need to like ease back into normal life slowly like you know maybe we could start working again soon but not open up nightclubs and movie theaters uh would you say that seems like a, mm-hmm. like an incremental approach forward from here on out?
1: Yeah, I've heard different ideas, like people doing shift work, going to work, like some people going in in the morning, some people going in in the afternoon. There, people are trying to get creative for when we do lift um, the band, so to speak. Or, um, so, I, you know, so I think people are trying to get creative. I do think that's a safer approach. Everyone going back out right, right now, at least, and probably for the next few weeks is, is due to interest.
0: Now, I'm sure you, you've heard this, too. There's a lot of talk about the, the numbers being artificially inflated, that if somebody um, dies of a heart attack, but they're COVID positive, then it will be listed as a COVID death. Um, can you speak on that?
1: Yeah, so I don't. I can't speak to the inflated numbers as much because I, I genuinely don't know. But what I will say is that, this this gets to the point where someone is critically ill is um affecting multiple organs right and causes what we call multi-organ dysfunction and what happens is that people are going to have cardiac problems people are going to have renal problem kidney problems people are going to have brain problems all from the same virus and therefore you know Trying to say exactly what someone died from is going to be really hard and you can really blame it all on COVID because some people are having heart attacks. Some people are having neurologic effects, all of it from COVID.
0: Okay, so, so what you're saying is the vast majority of people who have pre-existing conditions we can't know exactly what they what they died from and it's likely it's just the combination they had heart disease and covid is what pushed them over the edge i i guess there's some cases like i don't even know if the, if this happened but i you know somebody said if you die of a heart attack and you're covid positive then you'll get written as a covid death now i you know that's more an issue of uh hospital policy you know i don't i don't think that's yeah. your domain but I I punch some numbers, and even if they're if they're um, counting all deaths, COVID deaths, then it will only increase the COVID deaths by between ten to twenty percent. So it still doesn't really inflate the numbers as large as what people are making it seem to be.
1: And I think it's uh, you know I think it's important to know that the the two main comorbidities that are associated with mortality right now, or at least what we know of from the CDC, um, is cardiovascular disease, which is heart disease. Um, and diabetes. And therefore, it's really hard to say for someone who has underlying heart disease and they suddenly get, become COVID positive and have a heart attack that it's not because of COVID, because we know that COVID is affecting the heart quite dramatically. Um, so obviously, anyone who has underlying heart disease, or is go- like you said, is going to be pushed over the edge you know, uh, with this virus.
0: Well, Ayla, thank you so much. You've given me me and all the viewers so much information. I think uh, a lot of people are looking to just get, you know, try to get a look on the inside. Is there anything else you'd like to add or say Some, some something of importance you'd like to leave us with?
1: Um, I really want to thank everyone who's being so supportive of the medical community. Um, I, we, I don't think any of us expected that. And that outpouring of love um, is amazing. And, and we're seeing it internationally and we're, we're seeing it in our own neighborhood. And I think that's really keeping us motivated to do what we're doing Um it is, it is a scary time for everybody. And it's taking that much extra effort for people to be empathetic um, and compassionate towards one another. So thank you.